and uh, we've come to uh, Ephesians chapter 6, um, and uh, we're looking at the spiritual battle that we're involved in. How many of you um, have had a, a difficult summer, uh, or, or you've realized actually there is a battle that's going on? Just raise a hand if you've actually thought, yes, there's a battle that we're involved in. If you're not aware of the battle, then the enemy has got you where he wants you. Uh, because actually, there is a spiritual battle that every Christian is involved in and we're facing. Sometimes in our own lives, sometimes we see in, in the church, sometimes we see in the wider world around. But God has given us armor to help us in the battle. And when we face difficulties and struggles... Uh, the Apostle Paul writes to us in Ephesians chapter 6, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. The important thing is to remember that we don't win in the spiritual battle by being, thinking, you know, we can do it ourselves. We win by trusting in what he has given to us as armour that we've seen today. And uh, part of that, um, I, I want to, to try an experiment. I want you to raise your hands now. Ra ra raise your hands and think, how long could you keep them up there like that? One minute? By the way, I, I heard a story that what do bank robbers and DJs and preachers have in common is they all ask people to put their hands up in the air. Um, that's about the only connection I have with a DJ or a bank robber. But, uh, uh, but I wonder how long you'd be able to stay like that. Because, of course, in the spiritual battle that Moses was involved in against the Amalekites, who actually themselves decided they were going to make war against Moses. So Moses was only defending himself when he uh, told Joshua to, to raise people up. Um, uh, he then held his hands in the air. And, of course, they were holding the staff of God. And it was when his hands remained in the air, a symbol of dependence on God, that was when the battle was being won. And uh, we'll, we'll come to this where it overlaps with Ephesians a bit later. Um, I, if I was really going to ask you and give you a challenge, I'd say, could you keep holding your hands up during the sermon? And anyone who's still got their hands up by the end, um, uh, well, anyway, uh, no, feel free to, to lower them. But you realize, actually, it involves energy and strength and you begin to feel a bit weaker so uh, but the story we're going to be looking at today is about um, getting ready for the battle and of course that's the story of uh, Moses with his hands in the air while the amount Joshua it, with, with an army are battling against the Amalekites down in the, um, the valley. And when he kept his hands in the air, the battle was being won. But when he dropped his arms, the Amalekites were winning. Which was why he needed two people to come and stand with him and hold his hands up. And again, we'll see in the armor how actually it's important that we're not on our own. And I'll explain that in a moment. Uh, that is where... We are, as one another, as the, as the church of God, we are important for enabling the battle to be won. 
Don't ever be on your own. There's always someone you can ask, will you pray for me? And of course, after each of our services, we have an opportunity for someone, if you want prayer, to go to the chancel uh, or the, um, uh, the side chapel where somebody from the prayer team will pray with you. But anyway, this is all about getting ready for the battle. But I want to ask you, what, what do you think of the devil's schemes? Because uh, Paul writes in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 11, put on the whole armour of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles or schemes of the devil. Now I came up with just six of his tactics of what he wants to do. The first is distraction. He wants to distract us from the fact that there even is a battle. He wants to distract us by things in the world around us. He wants to distract us from being the people God has called us to be. And sometimes that can be by uh, the things that we spend our spare time doing. You know, we just got to see that next episode of Love Island. Uh, sorry, my daughter keeps telling me about that. Or we've got to see that next football match. And it's as though the whole world revolves around our football team or Love Island. But it doesn't. And sometimes the enemy uses these good things but to distract us from what is our spiritual purpose in life. He uses discouragement. How many times have you felt discouraged in your Christian life and thought, well, oh, I wonder if I'll give this up. It maybe we pray, it doesn't seem to work. The enemy loves to discourage us, say, no point in doing that. It doesn't work. And of course, he takes the courage, literally takes the courage out of our hearts to be in the battle against him. He also uses, and I just think my battery has died. Oh no. He uses disillusionment. Sometimes he makes us disillusioned with God or with the church, or with fellow Christians. Well, they're not the sort of people I would expect. And he takes us away, and he, uh, he isolates us. One of de the devil's tactics is to I isolate us from other Christians so we can't be as powerful or supported or encouraged in the battle. And often he uses disillusionment. And sometimes we might have experienced that. We've been disillusioned by the church or we've been disillusioned by other Christians. And yet that doesn't take away from the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done. Uh, but that's one of his tactics. He also has a tactic to make us disobey. He wants to get us to sin, to do wrong things. Because the more we get attracted by sin rather than by following God's way, the less effective we'll be in the spiritual battle. He also wants to disunite the church, God's people, which is why it's so important that actually as a church we stand together and with all God's people we stand together because some of the battles that are going on in our society are so important that the church needs to stand together. Even as we think about some of the things that happen on our streets but also he sometimes wants to get us to disbelieve not doubt because doubt is all right doubt is part of the christian 
uh, journey. Um, uh, the opposite of doubt is not disbelief. It's uh, uh, the opposite, uh, sorry, the opposite of faith is not doubt, it's disbelief. Uh, doubt is faith in two minds. But sometimes the enemy wants us to get a disbelief. Oh, you don't believe that God loves you, do you? Or you don't believe that uh, Jesus is really God. Or you don't believe as though uh, every, Jesus has done everything necessary in dying on the cross. No, you've got to keep working. And he gets us to disbelieve the truth of what Jesus has done. Now, those are just six of the, the devil's tactics that I became aware of. Uh, you may be able to add others there, but um, remember those, because when you're going through times of difficulty, say, what's the, what's the devil trying to do here? And actually, it's so important, because if we realize his tactics, we'll know actually how to respond. But we come back to the armor, and the fact is that we are to put on this armor which God supplies. It's not the armor that we have made with our own skill or ability but actually it's the armour that God has given to us. And of course, the belt of truth is what holds everything together. I don't know if you're like me, but you realise how important the belt is, particularly when you have a girth a little like mine, for holding everything together. And the belt of truth is what holds everything together, which is why it's the first thing mentioned. And uh, the belt uh, and truth is at the heart of our Christian faith. We follow Jesus, who is the truth, and who told us to be people of truth. Uh, but as well, we rely on the truth of what God has said. And when God speaks, it is true, and it comes into being. And sometimes, we'll, uh, sometimes we're not ready in the battle because we haven't put truth on, or we're actually being economical with the truth, in the way we live our lives and not saying the truth to one another. If you look at the, the actual belt that would be used, uh, it holds everything, all the garments in place as well as being the thing on which you can hang the sword that's vital. And of course it's the truth about Jesus who's our saviour, our lord, our redeemer. It's the truth about God, the father who loves us. It's the truth of ourselves, that we're not perfect, that we need a saviour. But it's the truth as well, that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. We can come back to that later. But actually the truth is vital for us. And the expectation is the armour is effective as we seek truth, but also speak truth in our families, in our places of work, and in uh, our churches. So the, the truth, are you dressed with the belt of truth around your waist? Are you a person? If other people said, yeah, this is a person who has the belt of truth on because they live a truthful life. But the second thing we're to wear is the breastplate of righteousness. And um, the important thing to note, is, and this is where I'm going to disagree with what uh, Rob said earlier. Rob said this is about us living lives that are righteous. No, it's not, because we will never succeed. It's having on ourselves the righteousness of Christ, and we rely on his righteousness, because the enemy loves to say, who do you think you are? You're a sinner. And he makes us wallow in guilt. 
Now, if it's the Holy Spirit who's pointing out our guilt, it's to lead us to Jesus where we can be clothed afresh in his righteousness. But the enemy loves to accuse us of being unworthy and being rubbish and not being righteous, which, of course, at one level is true, but actually we say, no, I stand in the righteousness of Christ, not in my own. And that's really an important thing for us to, to grasp in the spiritual battle that we stand in his righteousness, which is why his armor over our major body organs is perfect and why he keeps us and protects our hearts as well as all those essential life organs. Yes, it does flow out of that that we are to live righteous lives. But if our righteousness and our breastplate of righteousness is because of what we have done, then actually an enemy arrow will get straight through very quickly. We rely on him and his righteousness. So I hope you don't mind me slightly disagree. Uh, uh, I mean, I realize what you were trying to say, but it's important to grasp that. And there is what the armor would have been um, that uh, breastplate with those carefully interlinked strips of metal that would prevent anything getting in between, but also being flexible to allow movement on the battlefield. Have you got the righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness on? The third thing is the shoes of the gospel of peace. Now, do you realize that the battlefield... A Roman battlefield would be very muddy, uh, particularly when they were battling in Britain, um, but even so. And also, on, or on sandy, <coughs> excuse me, on sandy ground, your feet could easily slip. Have you ever seen a picture of a Roman sandal or bo uh, boot? A Roman sandal or boot has studs on it. That it I mean, it's almost like the equivalent of DMs, um, uh, Doc Martens. Um, uh, you know, really solid so that actually your feet would not slip. And if you are being pushed back by somebody against you, uh, who's fighting against you, you need your feet to be able to stand firm. And the, the shoes are of the gospel of peace because we stand firm on the gospel of what God has done for us in Christ, that we are at peace with God because peace has been made with God through the blood of Jesus shed on the cross for us. Isn't that a marvelous truth that actually we stand on that gospel and we're able to stand our ground against the wiles of the enemy because of that gospel? And of course, as well with that, it's a readiness to share that good news with other people, that actually they can find firm footing in their lives as they put their trust in Jesus and what he's done for them. The shoes of the gospel of peace. And then we move on to the shield of faith. And uh, uh, one of the interesting things about the shield of faith is that you can get your whole body behind it. It really is quite big. But also, it's a big oblong, um, and it is curved, so anything that's fired against it will bounce off. 
they say that it was made of three different sheets of strips of wood that were then covered in leather that would then be impregnated with water. And that's one reason why the flaming arrows wouldn't stay in it, because it wasn't just dry wood, it was actually already moistened, so that actually any fiery arrows that were uh, shot against it would bounce off, and they wouldn't be able to catch light. And of course our faith is in what Jesus has done. It's that we don't put our faith in our faith. We put our faith in Jesus and what he's done for us. But the important thing is, why was it shaped like that? Or was an oblong? How many of you remember doing your Roman history? Do you remember this? Do you remember what it's called? Do you remember what this is called? It's called a testudo or a tortoise. Because one of the things that made the Roman army so strong was its, de <coughs> excuse me, was its defensive abilities against arrows as well as against um, uh, uh, a phalanx of soldiers. And when the arm, uh, the the uh, shields, because they were they were, um, uh, you could slot them together. You could actually hold them next to each other. That made you Im almost impregnable and a really powerful fighting uh, force. And the tortoise, as it was called, because it looked like a tortoise, if you've looked at the back of a tortoise, you see the different scalings of, of the, um, the, the plates on a tortoise's back. And that's why it was called the tortoise. The, the Roman uh, tortoise was actually a, um, one of the most powerful defensive weapons uh, against the enemy. And you see, this is where the church comes in. This is why the, the shield of faith is not just used for me protecting myself. Because actually, when I put that up, I can be attacked from the side. But if I stand with my brothers and sisters, someone else has got my back. And that is why the church, we so need one another. Because we're standing in a battle where actually we need to gather together. The shield is great on its own, but actually it's even more powerful when we interlock our shields with one another. And sometimes it may be that there's one member of the church or one member, a Christian that you know, who is going through a hard time. That is where you raise up your shield of faith to help protect them from the arrows of the evil one. And your prayers are significant and important in that part of the battle. Okay, so we're moving swiftly on. We've got the shield of faith. We come to the helmet of salvation. And of course, this is the protection for the head and the mind. And uh, the helmet of salvation would sometimes have a plume on it that could be seen from a long way away. And what it's saying is, my salvation, I'm saved because of what Jesus has done. It also makes you more frightening when the enemy is standing against you because you're taller and bigger and particularly with that red shield red plume on the top it's a bit like you know the the, the grenadier guardsmen who wear the busbies and so on the whole thing was in battle you look bigger and actually we are big not because of our own 
ability, but because of this helmet of salvation of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. It's Jesus' uh, death on the cross that saves us. And actually, we need our mind to be protected because often the enemy tries to sow confusion in our minds, half-truths and things like that. And that is where it's so important to have the helmet of salvation on. And then finally, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, the Bible. And the interesting, Rob mentioned that uh, Jesus used the Bible when he was in a spiritual battle in the wilderness against the devil. Interesting, the devil used the Bible against Jesus, but he, he used it wrongly. And Jesus said, uh, you know, um, you shall not test the Lord your God. When, when the enemy was using the Bible, say, if, if, if you're really God, turn these uh, stones to make them become bread. And he was totally, the devil was totally misusing the Bible. And Jesus used the Bible correctly to, to, uh, to, f to fend off the, uh, the attacks of the enemy. And the sword, this is what a Roman sword would have looked like. It was double-edged, um, it was short, um, but it was a powerful weapon. And sometimes I find in the spiritual battle, some of the verses that I, I use, how many of you were actually brought up on doing sword drills? in your churches when you were younger. Did you ever do that? You had to take the Bible, sword drill, ray, uh, so you had to sheath swords, then draw swords, and then see if you could reach a verse in the Bible quickly. Oh, sorry, th this is about my, my childhood then. This, oh, someone, one or two people recognize this, doing sword drill. The important thing is recognizing, using the word of God, the truth of God's word, against the en en enemy's attacks. For example... As our verse I mentioned earlier, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When the accuser, the devil, con condemns you and says, who do you think you are being a Christian? You're no Christian. You stay, stand on, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I stand in Christ Jesus and therefore be gone, Satan. Or if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. We wield the sword as we believe the truth and as we declare the truth. The sword of the Spirit. And then, of course, finally, Paul adds these words, which, where he doesn't refer to a, a piece of armor, but he says, Pray in the Spirit at all times in every prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert and always persevere in supplication for all the saints. Pray also for me, so that when I speak, a message may be given to me to make known the with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Now, Paul said he was an ambassador. He was representing Jesus. But actually, all of us, if we are Christians, if we are baptized Christians... We are ambassadors for Christ. One of my responsibilities in the Diocese of London is the Ambassadors Programme. And if you've not heard about it, I would very much encourage uh, talking about it. It's really equipping people to say, for where you are, Monday to Saturday, that is where you're an ambassador for Christ, standing up for him. 
And this is why we need prayer and why we need prayer for one another. Pray also for me and supplication for all the saints. Each day when you pray, are you praying for other Christians? Those within the church as well as those outside who are facing persecution in other countries in the world. Because actually your prayers are part of the, the powerful weapon of praying, um, supporting your brothers and sisters. You're holding up your shield of faith. So I want to conclude by asking a question. Well, two questions. First of all, what piece of armour are you forgetting to put on? Which of those six items do you think actually is not really in place properly? And do you need each day to say, no, I need to put this on? Is it the belt of truth? Is it the breastplate of righteousness? Is it the shoes of the gospel of peace? Is it the helmet of salvation? Is it the sword of the spirit? Or is it the shield of faith? Which of these pieces of armour are we forgetting about in our Christian lives? But the other question is how can you put on what you cannot see? It may seem like an obvious question and maybe we understand that this is spiritual language. But I want to suggest that each of us can each day pray a prayer saying, taking on, and with our minds recognizing we're needing to put on this piece of armor for whatever may come in the day ahead. We put on the armor by faith because this is the whole armor of God that is able to quench not just the shield of, uh, of faith, which is able to quench all the, uh, and extinguish all the darts of the evil one. <clears throat> God's given us everything we need for the spiritual battles we're involved in. And what I want to do now is say a prayer, an example really, of taking each item, giving thanks to God for it, but as well as choosing to put it on. And can I encourage you, each day or regularly, in your own minds, just pray this prayer and, uh, and take up uh, this, uh, this armour that God has given to us. So let's bow our heads to say a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you give us spiritual armour which is enough for the spiritual battle that we're involved in. Help us put on the belt of truth. Help us be people of truth and who point to Jesus the truth. Thank you for the breastplate of Jesus' righteousness. And that we are protected not by our own goodness, but by his purity. Protect our hearts and our love for you and for others. Thank you too for the shoes of the gospel of peace. And that we can stand firm on all that Jesus has done for us. Making peace with us through his blood. Help us be ready to share that gospel of peace with others. Thank you too for the helmet of salvation that we are saved through Jesus' death and resurrection 
Protect our minds from confusion or anything that would distract us from your path. Thank you too for the shield of faith that is able to protect us from all the flaming darts of the enemy. Help us trust in you and your word. And also raise that shield with our brothers and sisters when they are under attack. And prompt us when you want us to pray in that way. And thank you too for the powerful sword of the Spirit, the word of God. Help us to read it, to trust its promises, and use it as Jesus did to overcome the lies of the devil. And so we choose to put on this armour that you have given to us to protect us. We ask it for your name's sake. Amen. Nigel. So, uh, church, arise and put your armour on. And that's what we're going to sing in our next song. So, church, arise and put your armour on. So, let's stand to sing this song. <laughs> 